I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Today, I sit down with former actress and now activist and author Susie Amos Cameron. We're hanging out in one of my favorite places on Earth, my vegetable garden in Maui. Long before she became an environmental advocate, Susie was discovered while living on her family farm in Oklahoma. At just 17, she signed a contract to be an Eileen Ford model in New York. Then Hollywood came calling. Susie appeared in Fandango with Kevin Costner, The Usual Suspects, and the worldwide phenomenon Titanic. She fell in love with and married the film's director, James Cameron, 19 years ago. Susie left acting to focus on her family and raising the couple's five children. Now she is a champion for what she calls sustainable values. From the clothes we wear, to the food we eat, and even how we educate our children. Susie and her sister Rebecca founded Muse, the first school in the United States to be 100% solar-powered with zero waste and an organic plant-based lunch program for every student. In her new book, The OMD Plan, Susie challenges readers to eat at least one plant-based meal a day. She says this one small shift could literally change our world. You gave me a wonderful excuse I, to come to Hawaii. Uh, yes, lovely. <laughs> May I say, I see you, which oh. is one of my favorite expressions from your husband's James Cameron uh, avatar. Yes. I think it's one of the most beautifully spiritual greetings you can give to a person is, I see you. I agree. Yes. Yeah. So I see you, and I'm glad to see you. Yeah, me yeah. too. I see you too. I think yeah. it's incredible that you and I both grew up on a farm. You grew up on a farm in Oklahoma. I did. I grew up on a tiny little piece of a farm that my grandmother had in Mississippi, and now we're both back to farming. Right? Yeah? Yeah, completely. Well, so welcome to my garden. Thanks. Amazing. Nice. Amazing. It's good. It's good, it's good yeah. to be here. And I was impressed, so impressed, with this idea of one meal a day to save your health and save the planet. It's the reason why I wanted to talk to you, because I thought, for so many people, the idea of like changing your entire lifestyle and you know becoming a vegan or becoming vegetarian is overwhelming yeah. and people just shut down. But what we can do is OMD. Right. OMD, one meal a day. So you and James and your family were doing the thing that so many of us are, are doing, like eating organic, healthy, making sure your beef was grass-fed and your chickens are happy when they're laying those eggs. Exactly. And feeling good about your contribution to the planet and what you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had been running in environmental circles forever, it felt mm -hmm. like, decades. and. Um, yeah, we were eating everything organic. We even had our own goats up on the ranch in, uh -huh. in uh, Santa Barbara. So we had goat yogurt and goat cheese and goat milk. And we just thought we were doing everything completely right. And then we watched Forks Over Knives. And when was that, 2000? 2012. 12. 12, so it's been seven years. Yes. And it completely changed our life. I mean, after we watched it, I, I was actually 
at home and a friend had told me about it. If somebody tells me to read a book yeah. or watch a, a DVD. I know that. Yeah. So I, I told you to read a book and you had like read it. You are the greatest reward to a book lover because I told you to read A New Earth. And then yes. in like a week, you're like, I read it and I did. I've read it and given out multiple copies yes. already. I yes. was listening to the podcast actually as I was flying over. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, the really podcast is good. Amazing. Anyway, I had had Forks Over Knives for probably about nine months, and I finally grabbed it, went down to the gym, and was on the treadmill, and after about 10 minutes, I just, I just had to get off and sit down. I was so, I felt gut-punched, because I felt like we had been advertised to our whole lives that we absolutely have to have meat to be mm -hmm. healthy, and had to have milk for strong bones. I mean, growing up, my mom was con you girls calcium, drink calcium, calcium, exactly. calcium. Yes, absolutely. You girls drink your milk. You think you're going to be the hunchback of Notre Dame if you don't? Exactly. Yes. yes. Exactly. Anyway, it, I I actually took the DVD. I went up to the house and I I found Jim and I said, "Babe, I need an hour and a half of your time tomorrow." And he was like, "Oh, okay. Well, where are we going?" And I said, "We're not going to go anywhere. We're going to watch a movie." And he said, "Oh, well." I love movies, what are we gonna watch? Yeah. And I said, I'm not gonna tell you, I just wanna watch it, and then we'll have a conversation about it. And we watched the whole thing, and from the time we were in the TV room to the kitchen, he said we shouldn't have any more animal products. So 24 hours later, the kitchen wow. was cleaned out. But that's just how we roll. Yeah, I was saying, that is a response. Not very many people roll yeah, like that. Yeah, like you've now cleaned out all of the meat products exactly. in your house. Meat, dairy, dairy everything. Every, everything that had animal products What happened products to your goats? That we're making the nice well, goat cheese. Uh, about 48 hours later, we shut down the production, but we kept the goats yeah. because they're super cute <laughs> and they're good for fire abatement. Yeah. So um, eating so, all the stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So we did that. So you became completely plant-based. Exactly. In a day. And born again about it. Yeah. So we were up on our soapbox constantly telling people, "You just have to do it. Go 100 percent." Yeah. And people would see us coming. They turn around and absolutely. Go oh my God! Here come way. the Camerons. Exactly. Yes. So I read that since this seven years where you all completely removed all the animal products from your home, that you nor Jim have had a cold or flu since that time? Right. No. We yeah, and you attribute that to absolutely this change in lifestyle yeah. with food. Jim used to get, you know, three or four colds a year. He'd always get the flu. And, you know, when you're in a house full of kids, they are the perfect viri vector. Mm -hmm. So you're always picking up something from them. Mm -hmm. And we just stay healthy. I mean, it's my teenagers. They can't keep up. How old with are us. the children? You're raising five children: five twins, children. Claire and Quinn, Elizabeth Rose, Jasper, Josephine. Yep. Yeah. 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 So Jasper is uh, 29, and expecting his first baby. Oh wow! So I'm going to be a grandma in August. So I'm madly crocheting my my blanket. We have, Josephine is 26. We call her Josa. Um, we have Claire, um, who is 18, and. Quinn is 15 and Rose is 12 and a half. Wow. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, especially parents, can relate to what you write about being busy and feeling overwhelmed. You write, I know how hard it can be to get through the day. Hurdling from one meeting, deadline, orthodontist, appointment, parent-teacher conference, errand, after-school activity to another. I know how many competing demands we have in our lives, 
each one battling the other for our time. Yeah, am I speaking your language, folks? Our attention, our energy. Sometimes simply getting through the day feels like a Herculean task. And whether we're parents or not, we all take care of so many people and problems all the time. Heaping one more consideration onto our shoulders may just be too much. Oh, great. Now I have to take care of the planet too, you say? Especially when it just seems so huge and unsolvable. So for everyone watching who says, you know, you know, sometimes it's hard to even get through the day and going through drive-through just helps you. What do you want to say to them? Hmm. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you and I see oh, you. I do. I mean, it's, it's, I didn't really start going to health food stores until it was right before I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, my sister-in-law at the time took me into Mrs. Gooch's, which was the health food store in California. Oh, I remember Mrs. Gooch's. Oh, it was the best. Y'all remember Mrs. Gooch's? Yeah. Know, it was the best. And um, anyway, I went in there, and she started talking to me not only about eating organic foods, but in the lotions I was putting on my body and, and hair What's products. What's in them, yes, yeah. Everything. Yeah. So my whole my whole kitchen and household, you know, everything under my sink and in my shower and everything and fridge, everything changed from that moment on. And when I got pregnant, obviously I was just like ridiculously careful about everything I was putting, you know, growing this little person, this little being. Mm -hmm. And then when I had Jasper, you, you have this thing, and I'm sure all moms feel this, you don't want anything that's not pure touching this brand new little being. Yeah. You know, so it just took it to Because it's so whole, pure, you yeah. just want to keep it clean. Exactly. You want to keep everything that they're eating clean. You want it yeah, clean, yeah. Exactly. Yes. So it just took it to a whole nother level. And then when he started eating food and, and you know, I just was, I, I was so careful with how I fed him and how I introduced him to veggies. You know, I, I do hear a lot of moms saying, well, my kids will only eat pizza and donuts. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what do you feed them? Pizza and, and donuts. donuts. Yeah, yeah. But if you start with, I mean, I think that's a big thing. It's like, how do you get your kids to eat veggies? But I was always doing, you know, these big plates with like three different dipping sauces. Or Jen Jasper actually loves salads. But if you start them on that when they're really young, and you give them fun utensils, you can give them chopsticks or, you know, fun little, um, Cocktail picks. Yes, I see it with, yeah. Yeah, yes. things yes. like that. And strawberry is a big dessert. Yes. When a strawberry is, to right. get a strawberry is a big dessert. Yeah. So, one plant-based meal a day does what to help change the planet? Changing one of your meals a day to a plant-based meal saves 200,000 gallons of water and the carbon equivalent of driving from Los Angeles to, to New, New York. York. That's one person. So think about multiplying if that Everybody out. just did that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you're saying, you're not even trying to convert the whole world. You're just saying start with the one meal. Exactly. You mentioned one time that it was graspable. Yes. Yeah. And, and it is. I mean, that's the feedback that I've Well, that's, what I like. that's why we're having this conversation, because that is graspable. My mind can hold that. I can receive that. That's a doable thing. I can turn that into a fun exercise for... Mm -hmm yourself yeah one meal a day it's it's a really easy switch i mean it's something as simple as putting um almond milk or soy milk on your cereal in the morning instead of cow's milk mm -hmm. or having a, a grilled 
bean and veggie burrito mm -hmm. instead of a beef burrito or, you know, having tomato sauce on your pasta instead of meat sauce or using the, you know, the Beyond Crumbles yes. are amazing. People can't tell the difference. They yes, can't tell the yes, difference. Or the Beyond Meat. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Before we went plant-based, I was working at a very, probably the largest environmental NGO in the U.S. and learned all about you know, the environmental issues, climate change, dead zones, biodiversity loss, deforestation, melting glaciers, extinction, yeah. all of these things. And I would drive home from these meetings just depressed and full of no hope, really no hope. Because um, I didn't, there wasn't, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't an answer. Yeah. There didn't seem to be a solution that especially one person could do. You know, you can, we talked about renewable energies and we talked about all of those things. Um, and I'd come home and kind of gather myself up and walk through the door and be the cheerleader, like, we're going to get it all cleaned up and it's going to be okay. And, you know, Jim was like, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I used to wake up with, dread every morning because I would think about not only our children growing up in the world, but all of the children of the world and what kind of a planet were they going to grow up on. And it wasn't long after we went plant-based that Jim actually started educating me on the environmental issues around animal agriculture. And there was one day where I was in one of these meetings and I just had this like aha moment. Yeah. Um, because animal ag is the second leading cause of greenhouse gases and climate change, but more than all transportation combined, every car, every airplane, every bus, everything. So um, fall of 15... Explain how that works to people okay. who don't get that. Okay. Well, the, the methane alone, and people like to, you know, because farts are funny. Yeah. <laughs> but it isn't that, actually. It actually comes from their respiration. Um, so the methane that's coming from their respiration is a huge thing. And the amount of water and feed or grass or whatever it is that, that it takes to grow an animal is enormous. So, I mean, just with the environmental issues around animal agriculture, you can actually connect the dots back to dead zones, biodiversity loss, deforestation, ocean acidification, I mean, all of these different things. And we were walking on the beach about two months after we went plant-based. And you know Jim. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of a doomsday kind of guy. <laughs> if you look at his movies, <laughs> you know, he's like Terminator and, yeah. and Aliens and Avatar and Titanic. It's like death and destruction. He doesn't use the word hope. When we first started dating, he talked about the fact that, because I don't use hope. I don't say hope. He's got a t-shirt that says hope is not a strategy. Yeah. And where's it? Well, that is no. true, it's not. So we were walking on the beach and he turned to me and he said, you know, babe, for the first time in my life, I have hope. And I almost fell into the surf. <laughs> <laughs> he said, the more people we can inspire oh. to eat plant-based, the more we can move the needle on climate ah, change. Oh, Jim, very good. And it was in that moment that I thought, you know what? That's, 
that's what my, And that's what you're doing right now. That's what I'm doing. And I wanted to write a book and create content and do documentaries and and all of that. So it, it is that moment, I'm just getting goosebumps. Mm -hmm. But that moment really led me to to exactly what I'm doing now. Wow. At the school that I founded, Muse School, with my sister, Rebecca Amos, which is out in California, after we learned about the environmental devastation that animal agriculture causes on the environment, we actually looked at each other and said, we can't call ourselves an environmental school and still be serving animal products. We recycle, we reduce, we reuse, we compost. We reserve water, we use solar panels, we use natural light. This school is absolutely a school of the future. I feel like we are light years ahead of the rest of the schools around here. The kindergartners are not just learning their ABCs and how to write, but they're also learning about how to save the planet and what we can do to help make a difference. Every time you eat plant-based, you cut your water footprint and your carbon footprint in half. We say. 9,066 gallons of water for one day. A few years back, um, U School decided to go plant-based. And really, I mean, we're doing it for many different reasons, primarily for environmental reasons, to reduce the carbon footprint of each of the students and faculty that work here at Muse, basically to help nurture the earth as well as the person who's practicing the one meal a day diet. I want to talk more, if we can, about the school Muse. It's called the Muse School, M-U-S-E, Muse, as in you are my muse. The very first K through 12 school in the country to be 100% solar powered, zero waste, with a 100% organic plant-based lunch program. You are leading the way. And also now trying to get parents on board with their kids to eat well in other parts of the country, and you're going to be building more schools. Yes. Yeah, so we actually launched Muse Global um, last and Was that hard at first? Because I'm sure, sure all of those parents grew up with the doctrine, we've got to have our milk. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, um, that's actually where OMD was born. So when we decided to go plant-based, we took 18 months, and we brought in doctors and climate scientists and authors and chefs and athletes to spend the day with the children, going into each room, speaking to them in a developmentally appropriate way. And then at nighttime, we had all the grown-ups together, gave them beautiful plant-based food and a glass of wine, and, you know, we'd have this speaker series. Introduce them to it in a way exactly. that they could receive it. It's about education yes. more than anything, yeah. to, to let them understand that it's, you know, that you... It's information and it's educating in a way that people know that it doesn't mean I have to be punished. Right, yes. right, and that you're getting the right nutrients right. And, and amounts of protein and calcium and all of those things, essential fatty acids, all of those things. So we did that, and we thought, you know, we had, um, we had committees, we had food committees with the children, we had yeah. food committees with the parents and with the teachers, and um, had screenings of all of, you know, forks yeah. over knives and all of that. And we went 100% plant-based in the fall of 2015, and we lost 50% of our families. Really? Yeah, it was, it was a mass exodus. We quickly regained our enrollment, and we've since surpassed it. We start at two years old and go all the way to 18. Um, but people now come, they've, they move from around the United States 
just to, to go come to the school there. because it's plant-based. And we have a couple of families from Europe now. But you had some people leave. You know, lost 50% yeah. because they think this is too kooky for us or this they is did. too much. Yes. They did. I mean, I, you know, I think we were somewhat ahead of our time. Yeah. Because now it is becoming very, very mainstream and people are realizing it. So this is the kind of school you dream of. We began Muse with the belief that true learning is possible when children are permitted to engage in their passions. We articulated a mission, inspiring and preparing young people to live consciously with themselves one another and the planet with a focus on a sustainable campus. We knew we needed to go 100% plant-based to truly model a 100% sustainable and environmentally focused school. And while we'd always thought we were serving these kids the best possible food, we now realize we were unintentionally poisoning them and the planet. So I wanna know what impact has a plant-based model had on the students? They all know why they're eating plant-based foods every single day. They even have um, these little competitions between the classes of how much water they're saving and how much carbon they're saving. And they'll even, you know, what's really great is they end up going home and <laughs> infecting their parents. Yeah. So we get calls from their parents saying, you know, I need recipes, how do I compost? We want to put in a garden. Because you've have... taught the kids how to grow their own food. We... And mm -hmm. uh, one of the things you say in uh, OMD, the OMD plan is that you've affected the kids on a soul level. They've accepted this on a soul level. What does that mean? They have because us grown-ups, you know, when we are doing good things for the environment. Yeah. You know, we pat ourselves on the back because we're driving a hybrid or an electric car because we're cycling, because we're yeah. changing our life, whatever we're you doing. We're like, aren't we? Exactly. Yes, we're doing such great things. Yeah. But it's when you start with children when they're little, it's just part of their fabric. Yeah. They just don't even think twice about it. And we have 150 raised beds between the two campuses now, so they grow probably 80% of the produce that they eat every single day. They learn how to grow it, harvest it, prepare it. Oh, I can't it. imagine what and that does with children. It. It's amazing. It's amazing because we have families that show up, they kind of first day of school, they're like, my child doesn't eat anything green, so good luck. And within a month, they're eating, you know, string beans off of the vines or, you know, at lunchtime, you know, with flaxseed oil. It's, it becomes a really healthy peer pressure, wow. ultimately. Um, but we were still, you know, getting pushback. And our head of school, Jeff King, got very frustrated one day. And he said, people, you can feed them whatever you want to in the morning and whatever you want to in the evening. It's one meal a day. It's OMD. So Muse is actually the home of OMD. That's where it all started. Wow. And then when they heard Makes that, sense. everybody kind of relaxed. And it, it just was this like moment of, well, that works. Yeah. 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 I understand that change is very hard, especially when you're dealing with people's children. When I first introduced meditation at my school, I had a lot of parents were like, wholly upset. This was in 2007. Mm -hmm. I don't want my child levitating. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't think they're going to levitate. We're just trying to get them still for a few moments, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yes. So you recently announced that Muse is going to be opening schools in China at the end of this year and to expand to other U.S. cities. I think that is so radical. So we will have five schools open in China by the first quarter of 20. 
And um, we're in conversation with Singapore and India, and we've got, and the UK, and we've got multiple locations around the US. We've got Austin and Florida, and we're talking to San Francisco, Denver. So it started happening a lot faster than we thought. Yeah. So my sister and I are kind of going, buckle your seatbelts. Yeah, yeah. But the cool thing is, is that it will have all of the same philosophy passion and interspace learning, it will all be plant-based. So, so we will be spreading this word for children and, and creating an experience for children around the world that you really can't get anywhere else. So now you've done exactly the same thing that you and your hu husband were on the beach walking and talking about that day. You've brought a sense of hopefulness yeah. to the planet in a way that you never even imagined by just following this this seed that was planted within you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't wake up with a pit in my stomach anymore because I know that it'll make a difference. It's making a difference. I know the answer to this question is part of what OMD is all about. What change do you hope to see happen in the world? Mm, gosh, that's, that's a multi-layered mm. change. Um, however, I think that it does happen I think there's there's something that happens when you go plant-based. You know, not only do you have all of these health benefits, your taste buds change. I mm -hmm. mean, every everything changes, but I and you have this clarity that happens, this energy. And I I've talked to so many people that have gone plant-based and I do I do think that it it almost takes you to a a level of being more open and being more awake. Yeah, and being more conscious. On every level. On every level. Like when you start being conscious about what you're putting into your mouth and how you're eating it and where your food comes from, it also makes you more aware and more conscious of other things is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And what you're saying is all you need is just to, to step into the path of one meal a day, right. O-M-D. Yeah. And I know you have so many delicious recipes. It's, OMD is an invitation. It's an invitation in to just dip your toe in mm -hmm. to the plant-based lifestyle. And it has tons of recipes, meal plans, shopping lists, but it's, it's real food for real people and there are tons of kitchen hacks for busy moms, how to make things easier. Well, it feels like a love offering that you're trying to give to the planet. Can you tell us when you have felt that for yourself, a true offering mm. of grace that has come to you? Oh, gosh, so many. So many. Probably, I just got goosebumps again. Probably the first one that, that came down my lane was when I was 17. And I was on a completely different path. Um, I had had a horse that I was riding and, and all my girlfriends were riding. And I thought that that just looked, I loved that little saddle and you know, the hat and you know. The all whole of, thing. The yeah. whole thing. I want the outfit. So I started babysitting, 50 cents an hour back then. Uh, Me too, for right? 50 cents an hour. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were the same generation yeah. where that was the deal, 50 yeah. cents an People hour. People get like 30 bucks an hour. I'm like, what? Do they really? Yeah, they do. They do. So I did that and then my Aunt Betsy, 
knew uh, a woman in town who had this modeling school. But I mean like the old time where you put the book on your head. Oh my. So my sister Paige and I took modeling classes together and she's four years older than I am. And then they we started booking fashion oh, shows. I went to charm school, Susie, well, where we a, had to have the book on our head. It's the same kind of thing. I get Although it. Although they showed us how to put false eyelashes on too. Oh my goodness gracious, this is <laughs> but funny. But it was, we laughed. It was so much fun and then we did these, um, fashion shows together and we both had very long red hair so they called us the Amos twins even though we were four years apart but I could make more money in two hours than I could in six months of babysitting of course and around that same time I was learning how to fly so my I come from a long line of aviators and my daddy taught me how to fly and this this friend of my aunt's called up um, after she had seen some pictures that my brother took of me, my little brother, Charlie, um, had taken of me, and um, Eileen Ford wanted to meet me. So next thing I know, I'm in an airplane with my mom. I, somebody took a picture of you in Oklahoma, and Eileen Ford, well, got, and they got to Eileen Ford? Yeah, so this woman from the, the modeling agency. Eileen Ford is like the most, at the time, yeah. you know, the most famous modeling agent in the world. Yeah. yeah. So, and I didn't even know that. I hadn't You know, didn't even know what that was? I didn't know what oh, it was. Oh, that is an act of grace. And so off to New York we went, and I was just like, cool, we're going to New York. We went there, we had interviews with Eileen, and we had set up with Elite and uh, Wilhelmina, but we went to Eileen first, and we were sitting in there, and um, she, asked my mom, she, first of all, she told me I was a terrible model. <laughs> and then she asked if she could speak to my mom. So I left the room. And when I came back, if you stay in New York for seven days, we were supposed to leave after four, if you stay in New York for seven days and you don't go see Wilhelmina and Elite, I'd like to take you on the Merv Griffin show and introduce you as the face of the 80s. So what? meanwhile, here I am, this ridiculously shy girl from Oklahoma. I went on the Merv Griffin show, and he asked me all kinds of questions about horseback riding and flying airplanes and Oklahoma, and I went... You couldn't even talk. I didn't talk. Wow. I didn't talk. So, needless to say, I did not... It, everything went from there. I met an agent from Paris, and then I ended up Moving to Paris for okay, three and a half years. Okay, that's grace. Yes. That's grace. That's grace. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, can I go soul to soul with you on a few things? Go, baby. Okay. <laughs> what have you encountered that you felt was insurmountable? Writing a book. Really? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't go to school for writing. I didn't. You know, I don't have letters behind my name, and I, I just pulled together a. A team of, you know, brain trust of doctors and a brain trust of climate scientists. I had so much fun, I have to say. Just because you love learning and I, you learned as you were teaching us. I did. Yeah. 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 So when is the last time you were filled with awe? Mm, this morning. <laughs> when I drove up here. Yeah. Yeah. Looking looking back down the mountain. Yeah. I mean just driving up and watching the terrain change, mm -hmm. but I think every every day is awe-inspiring, really. I think one of the reasons you have such um, reverence is because you you have learned how to be true to yourself. So do you have advice for people who are living a false life? 
Hmm. <laughs> That's a tough one, but I know you can handle it. <laughs> um, it is tough, and, and certainly, you know, um, even though, you know, Jim is in the entertainment industry, and I certainly used to be, our life doesn't feel part of that for some reason. It's, we, we don't do that, and I think a lot of people... He makes the movies, and then he comes home, and then there is life. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I even feel like on his movie sets, it's life. You know, he wrote mm -hmm. me last night talking about the family that he's created in New Zealand. He's mm -hmm. over there shooting. Shooting Avatar 1, 2, 3, and, uh, two, three and 4? Yeah. And 5. And 5. Actually, 5 will kind of come later, but it's, it's already written and ready to we go. We can hardly wait! Exactly. Yes. I know. I can't either. I can't either. Um, you actually know what's hap going to happen, though, right? Because you've read them all. Yes. Yeah. And they're amazing. Um, but in terms of, you know, living a false life, you know, it's what, what people are driving, what they're wearing, what they're, who they're hanging out with, you know, all of those things. And it, I mean, you just said it, if you're, if you're true to yourself, mm -hmm. your life will will bring abundance. Abundance will look different in every person's life, but abundance of now, abundance of reality, abundance of connection, abundance of, you know, presence. What was your greatest fear that you were able to overcome and what allowed you to overcome it? Oh my goodness. I used to be painfully, painfully shy. Like, horrible. And I... To the point where people thought something was wrong with them when they were around you because you were so shy, yeah? Yeah, like... I just didn't talk. You know, I can't... No, people can't shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I, I hated school. I hated it. I loved learning. I still love learning. Mm -hmm. I'm an avid reader like you are. I just felt like I was always this... I never felt like I belonged. So what allowed you to overcome that? Um, so I think just being out in the world and to Modeling, be a model. Yeah, and then and acting. I, and then acting. You know, that was a, a beginning of it. But acting, you can still be very shy. You just get to be somebody else. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, even doing, and I loved it. I loved acting. I loved being on a set. I loved doing theater. But just, you decided to leave it after meeting your husband. I did. Mm -hmm. I did. I did. Because? I, I was married to an actor before that, mm -hmm. um, Sam Robards and I. He's mm -hmm. Jasper's dad. Mm -hmm. We had lots of fun together. We're actually one big happy family now. And, um, but we were constantly apart. And I said to Jim, I said, look, if we're going to be together, one of us is going to have to quit working. And oh, by the way, I want to have a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> So it was it was a perfect segue. I mean, I, I've kind of done that in my life. I I stopped modeling cold turkey to study acting, and then I stopped acting cold turkey to become a mom. And when you realize that you're on a a journey, you know, and Tolly talks about it, you know, you just it just opens up. Yes. And you have these opportunities, and you take them. Which brings me to this question. Yes. What has been your greatest awakening? Mm. I started having dreams, prophetic dreams, when I was 22 that scared the ever-living you-know-what out of me. And when I was in my early 30s, and I didn't tell anybody about them because they were scary. 
Um, I would dream something and then it would happen. And it was mostly about people's health. Mm -hmm. And when I was in my early 30s, I met an amazing woman who started talking to me about it and giving me books to read about, about dreams and being, what it all meant, yeah. being conscious yeah. and being awake and all of that. So I think that was the first moment um, that I, I realized that there was something, I think I always felt like there was something bigger, bigger than us. Um, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I grew up in a very religious household, um, but I never felt that feeling when I was sitting in church. And I was, used to tell my mom, I was like, well, I, why can't I go sit on top of a mountain mm -hmm. and feel at one? Um, but this last spring, I picked up, which I shared with you too, I, I picked up Michael Singer's books and then you encouraged me to read Eckhart's books. Uh -huh. And it's, it's almost like it's like on steroids now. It's just uh -huh. gone to a whole uh -huh. other level of being, being present and reverence. Do you call it anything? Do you call it God or spiritual consciousness or does it matter for you? Yeah, I don't think it matters. Uh -huh. I don't think it matters. It really is just about being present. The, the word that has come up more than anything in the last six months is reverence. 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 And I just keep thinking, it's like, when, when will humans start to have reverence? Not only for one another, because you think of all the hor horrific things that humans do to each other, but for the plants and the animals, all of the things that are alive. When, when is that reference going to happen? I feel like people are waking up. You and, and Eckhart talk, talk about that, that it's happening more and more and more. Which is a word he uses too. And what is so extraordinary is that if you live in a space of reverence for the rest of the world, for the people, for the plants, then that is given back to you. You have this revered life, actually. I feel that. Yes. I feel so lucky and yes, so grateful. Yes, I feel that too. Yeah. I feel that too. What is the question or the mystery that sits in your mind that you hope to have answered in your lifetime? Is there one? Hmm. I would love, I've had this conversation with Jim so many times. I would love to know, I, I guess scientifically, why and how someone can have a prophetic dream. Like, how can you dream something and then it happens? There are a lot of conversations around, you know, multi-dimensions and mm -hmm. all this kind of, you know, mm -hmm. fairly woo-woo kind of stuff, but it's like, how do you explain that? How do you, what is that? Or, or consciousness or soul, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I talked, you know, Jim actually is uh, very vocal at saying he's an atheist, mm -hmm. which kind of, which cracks me up really. Yeah. Because he's like Mr. Spiritual. He dude. is Mr. Spirituality, <laughs> putting out these films that show us the essence of what it means, and then he says he's an atheist. Exactly. I know, the first time I interviewed him, I went, I don't get that. Yeah. But, but he okay. wants the science. Yes. He wants the science, because I talked to him about consciousness and about mm -hmm. the soul and, and um, dreams and, He's like, there's no science. <laughs> and yet know. he taught us, I see you. I know. Yeah, which is the high, one of the highest consciousnesses we can have. It is. Yes. It is. So how would you describe a well-lived life? What are the signs and attributes of a well-lived life? I think the quote I like the best is, I don't have it perfectly, but it's the best thing in life. 
mm -hmm. is to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. And going through life and meeting people and, you know, finding real joy and real love for people and, and having it come back in return is, I think that's, is a well-lived life. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving us a path in to dip our toes in. Yeah. Thank you. One meal a day. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Susan Cameron. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>